Seed to Sound, presented by Banks, a podcast for cannabis professionals. Hey, seedlings, welcome back to another episode of Seed to Sound. This week, we talk with cannabis accountants Mike Moran and Susan Cook. Hey, everyone, welcome back to Seed to Sound and our first episode of the Money Series. We're here today with cannabis accountants Susan Cook and Mike Moran. Susan, Mike, welcome. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you so much for being here with us today. So why don't you each take a moment to introduce yourself, tell us about your work, and what your day-to-day looks like. I'm Susan Cook. I'm the owner and founder of Ganja Accounting Services. Uh, we do day-to-day accounting, remote services for the cannabis industry. So we cover everything from daily bookkeeping all the way through CFO level services and everything in between. Hi, I'm Mike Moran, CEO of Cannabis Tax Solutions. Uh, we're a tax and consulting firm in Boulder, Colorado, and we are also nationwide. We basically take care of anyone in the uh, cannabis industry who has big issues with the tax side, and uh, we find that there's a lot of issues out there. Uh, people have um, companies that they just don't know what they're doing, and we're there to clean it up and make sure that they stay out of trouble. Very nice. So how did each of you first become involved in the cannabis industry? I actually, my interest in cannabis came from personal needs first, actually. Um, I had some medical conditions that I was on prescriptions for a long time. And then once cannabis became legal, I got very interested in how I could use that. So I'm a user. I'm an advocate for legalization. I was very involved with it from that aspect and with the political side of things. So um, I have 25 years of experience in accounting. I was tired of working for other companies, wanted to go out on my own. And so the two just paired very well together at a perfect time. And there's a great need for this. So I used my experience, got with the right group of people, got some excellent training and a good network. And really, it just took off from there. So very happy to be here. It's a great, fun industry. The people are fantastic. I wouldn't leave it for anything. It's just awesome. <laughs> okay. Um, well, basically, my <laughs> wife got me involved in this uh, a few years ago when we were thinking about moving out here. I'd been in Florida for 38 years, and um, it just came about to where everything lined up. We had uh, – uh, I've been doing this for 30 years, and it just kind of got stale as far as the day-to-day tax and accounting. And coming out here and finding out more about what was happening in the industry, how a severe lack of knowledge in the accounting and tax field, it really needed help. Uh, So I just got started, uh, learned everything that I could. And before I know it, you know, before I knew it, uh, everything is going crazy. So uh, people have a real need for accountants in this industry because not everyone knows how to do what we do. And to be focused on it and really be able to help them, that's what we found really is the benefit for them. That, you know, we, it's a special, highly specialized skill. And Susan and I have the, those skills to be able to help these people who really need it. Absolutely. And over the past five, ten years, as these businesses are becoming more legitimized and having to adhere to all of this very specific protocol and legal guidelines, there is such a need for professionalism from other industries to really help them become a legitimate established business. So what are some of the types of businesses that and clients that you work with? I've been doing, um, and well, 
when I got into this, uh, we didn't have the farm bill yet. So industrial hemp was still under, you know, the whole same cannabis umbrella from federally being illegal. So 280E applied. Um, so I've been doing all all facets. It doesn't really matter to me. A cannabis business is a cannabis business, whether you're a grow, whether you're just a dispensary, whether you're seed to sale, uh, the entire encompass thing. Um, industrial hemp, cannabis, I can do all of that. It's more fun for me to, because I'm kind of a glutton for punishment. So the bigger, more complicated it is, the more I'm drawn to it because I like it. <laughs> I'm a little ridiculous. But I, the smaller ones are fine too. It's just, it's a fun puzzle to figure out how to help people in a way that helps them navigate 280E, which is very complicated and still be able to exist as a business and make money. Absolutely. And I always like to give our listeners a little tip as to what we're actually talking about for those who aren't aware. So Section 280E, to try to put it as simply as possible, is a part of the Internal Revenue Code that prohibits businesses associated associated with, quote unquote, trafficking controlled substances, such as cannabis products, from deducting ordinary business expenses from their gross income. So basically, they are extremely heavily taxed, about, I think, 70% um, is the rate of taxation for these businesses. They really aren't treated fairly at all. Exactly. And on a broad spectrum, yes. What you said, exactly. Dispensaries, for sure. It, it comes down to what you're allowed to take as a COGS expense. And without getting too technical right now, what we try and do, what Mike and I both try and do, is help companies figure out how they can best categorize expenses as a COGS expense because that is something they're allowed to take. So that reduces the amount of um, income that they're taxed on. But there's very specific guidelines and it's getting more specific every day as court rulings come out um, as to what is allowed and what isn't. And the landscape is changing weekly if not daily sometimes that you may think okay we understand what this is now and tomorrow something else happens you're like okay well that totally changed it so you got to start all over and figure it out and that that's where going back to what we said earlier about specialization in this regular accountants can handle most any kinds of businesses there's very specific training and knowledge needed to do cannabis accounting correctly anybody can do it but you're going to do it wrong and then <laughs> and then they're gonna the company's gonna get audited they're gonna have a huge tax bill i mean we're talking millions and millions of dollars and people are losing their licenses over it and they're losing their businesses so this isn't something that you want to to mess with and and find the cheapest provider because you're you're risking everything by not having um, experienced and educated providers helping you with this. It, it's rare that we come across a prospective client that has a correct prior year tax return or correct books because there's always an issue with something. And the other challenge is <clears throat> with with every new court case that comes out, even though we're we're not attorneys. But we almost have to be attorneys to interpret these rulings. Uh, the most recent one that was a big uh, issue was Harborside, 
uh, 62 pages of fun if you want to read it. I've read it about <laughs> 17 times. Oh, God. Uh, but the, the bottom line is is that the, the Champ case from 2007, I think it was, set the precedent as far as things you could and couldn't do as far as segregating um, businesses and being able to take deductions and things like that. Uh, since that case, um, cases have come out where it's kind of slowly eroding it, and with Harborside, it's, it's, it has eroded even more, so it's always a react to the latest court case. That's all we can do because while it's still federally illegal, you know, dispensaries are really screwed. They are, they are strapped after, after their basic cost of goods sold. That's about it. Um, so it, it really gets down to what can we do and where do we go, and it's up to the, the latest court case to determine what latitude we have. So tell us your worst tax return horror story in this industry. Well, as far as my company personally, there is no horror story from a tax preparation standpoint because we know how to do it. <laughs> however, great plug. However, I can tell you some of the piles of shit that I've seen coming into my office from a prospective client. Uh, recently, I've, I reviewed a couple of years, and uh, it's just one of those things. Just take the word disgusting and stretch it to its outer limits. Um, in a nutshell, uh, a, a, an incompetent CPA firm uh, locally prepared this return, $750,000 in expenses that are not allowed. So I had to tell this prospective client, hey, in addition to the you know three four $400,000 you've already paid for this, this tax year, you're going to have to probably pay another 250 plus because of the fact that they did not know what they were doing. The return presented, the way it was presented was totally incorrect. Um, the 280E adjustment, which is supposed to be on the return, was a pittance of what it should be. And it's just this is the kind of garbage that I see every time I get a new prospective client. Um, the, the IRS will eventually audit you, and they will crush you. And it's just, it's just a fact that the, these people, you know, they go, they go to these firms trusting these people to know how to do a tax return, and they're not done right. And they don't know what they're looking at. You know, they get it. Okay, it looks good. Great. And then a couple of years later, you get somebody like me who knows what they're looking at and have to tell you it's the end of the world. You know, go pack a bag and jump. I mean, it's, <laughs> there's really nothing else I could tell them. I wish I had something better to tell them other than, you know, this is a big steaming pile of shit. I mean, that, plain and simple, that's what it is. This and is a scary story for tax season. It, it, I mean, we really yes. should be around Halloween, you know, it's, <laughs> because that's what it is. It's, it's a nightmare. Um, so fortunately, you know, going forward, we're able to guide them as far as what they should and shouldn't be doing. And the best thing we can do, and we've seen this with so many firms in this, uh, you know, cannabis entities, is just, you know, we can fix what we can fix and we move forward and we make sure it doesn't happen again. That's the best advice we can give them. Agreed. And, and from the, just another angle with that is on the the books side there's very specific rules from the irs about entries that have to be made on a timely basis there's um, literature about what timely means and if those entries aren't done that way 
then the IRS, when they audit you, and they will audit you. It's not an if, it's a when in this industry. You will be audited. So when they come in, we've been seeing that they're coming in and not just looking at a tax return, they're looking at the day-to-day books. And if these entries aren't done correctly, if your inventory isn't valued correctly, which is difficult to do, I'm not going to lie, it's difficult for me and I know what the hell I'm doing. So there's other entries that if they're not made on a timely basis in a certain fashion, the IRS will not allow you to take your COGS, which means you have nothing to take off of your top line revenue. You're going to get taxed on that entire amount. You'll have nothing to decrease it with. And we've actually seen with past or prospective clients coming in and you look at their past books that they are in this type of situation. So we have to go back, clean up, we just call it cleanup work to try and fix that, get it all in order like it should be. And yeah, it's going to impact your taxable amount. You're going to owe more taxes guaranteed somewhere. And then Mike takes over and fixes the tax return. And so while we are the best friends of cannabis businesses, you should love us, but everybody hates us because we never give good news. Because we're going to tell them the we're truth. We're going to tell, yeah, and, and, and we have to. And this particular client, the same thing. No allocations, yeah. poor bookkeeping. Yeah, and there's a lot of people that are just losing their asses because of poor bookkeeping, and, and that's the thing is that anybody can say they can do accounting, and you can use QuickBooks till the turn blue in the face. That's fine, but it is not going to get you in a safe zone with the IRS in this industry. Well, thank goodness for people like you. Thank you. You're very welcome. (laughs) So we've obviously touched on it a little bit, uh, talking about the different issues that come up with various clients. What are some of the other biggest challenges that you have faced individually with clients that you work with? Banking, big problem, which everybody knows that's a problem. It's a problem when they have not been able to secure some sort of bank account. And so there's a whole different slew of things that need to be done to tie out um, cash only businesses to make sure everything's ticking and tying across the board that would be one number two from my perspective is keeping up on all the changes happening day to day it is a full-time job just to do the research and understand what it means and what I have to adjust in what services I'm giving to my clients it is massive. So I almost spend more time doing that than, you know, actually getting work done, which sounds terrible, (laughs) but I just, I'm just trying to explain that it's, it's a lot. And I don't expect clients to have to know that stuff. That's what they pay me to know, but it's, it's very taxing. And so that's why having people experienced and knowledgeable in this and having your lawyers that are knowledgeable in this industry they're a team player too and we work hand in hand with them to make the best um, choices for how you should go forward financially with your business yeah Susan really hit hit all the big the big topics I mean it's in total agreement the banking is a problem uh, the almost lawyer lawyering that we need to do I mean it's just it's it's a grind but we need to know and and this is one of the reasons why we have the higher skill set because we know what to look for. And in each of these core cases that come out, you know, we obtain more knowledge and are able to help 
help clients and keep them out of out of bad situations. I thought of one more thing too. Sure. Um, software systems, huge. <laughs> Everybody knows this. Everybody's trying to fix it, but it's a nightmare. Just finding one that can handle everything. There's some out there that we've demoed, um, talked to some, trying to find something, at least one that I'm happy with to advise to my clients. I personally have not found the perfect one yet. So anybody listening, that is <laughs> as a software program. Invent good yes. software, please. <laughs> please, someone, <laughs> because it is so taxing on us to have to do this in 50 different programs and whatever so it's a race to the finish someone's going to retire a millionaire next year when they get the system Bil- figured billionaire. out billionaire billionaire <laughs> yes billionaire. it's great <laughs> so i'm not sure how much you can speak on this um, but i wanted to bring up some recent current events the first ever congressional hearing on cannabis banking just took place on february 13th but really did not result in much action so can either of you provide any advice for lobbyists, legislators, and advocates for the industry on how they can take steps to ensure safe banking for these businesses? Well, that's uh, that's the, the crux of the problem because while it's federally illegal, you know, the, the big banks, they're not going to touch it. So there are some local banks uh, in and around Colorado and other states that will kind of dive into it, but... You know, you can lobby till the cows come home. I think the biggest issue is is that basically it's it's going to be little or nothing uh, and, until it's federally legal. I mean, it's that's just the way it is. Uh, you know, your Wells Fargo's, your Chases, your cities, I, they're never going to do it because their legal department says federally illegal. Forget it. We're trafficking. Not going to happen. And I think from an advocate and lobbyist standpoint. I- there are so many people involved with it right now, which is fantastic. I love seeing that. Um, I know NCIA is very big into that. I got an email from them within the last few days about the that effort. Um, and they were um, encouraging people to get out there, write to your congressmen, your senators, you know, really, really take a step up as people functioning and you know, trying to represent this industry, get out there, don't be quiet about this, stomp your feet, scream your head off, you know, really make people know that this is a really important thing for this industry, for our country. It just needs to happen. It's a safety issue. There's, it's just on and on and on. So um, I think the more people get involved and stay involved is what's going to help push this to a resolution. Absolutely. So what's the biggest myth about cannabis or the industry that you'd like to dispel? Well, I think it's funny because, you know, cannabis, weed, okay, you know, it's all all legal and it's all drugs. <laughs> the, it, the more people that we see and get involved with, you realize it's, it's less of, um, you know, the dude who's going to open up a dispensary and make money, man. And it's really more a you know a professional person. Uh, a lot of a, a lot of uh, women are involved in this, which is great because they're getting out and doing you know their thing. And um, it's <laughs> yeah. but but the great thing about it is it's really it's I think it's more towards the professional um, appearance than you know the long haired 
you know, the hippie freak, that kind of thing. I mean, yeah, those people are in it. And there's nothing wrong with those people. But I think, I, I think it's, uh, you know, anybody who I speak to that is not involved in the industry, they immediately go to that stereotype, and it's just not true. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of money to be made in this business if you know if you know what you're doing and you get the proper guidance. And it's it's not just us. I mean, it's the cannabis cannabis specific attorneys and other uh, businesses in the field focused on the cannabis uh, industry that can help them. But I think the level of people that are involved as far as um, their knowledge and their appearances are are far different than from what most people outside the industry really are. I would agree with that. I think it's some um, very nice people in this industry. We're all acting as a family, trying to establish the roots together and really grow this into what it can be. There's so much potential, but there's wicked smart people that are really using their powers for good, not evil. <laughs> and so there's just the sky's the limit here with this um so as another myth from a financial aspect is around cbd is it legal is it not legal from a tax perspective in regards to 280e application talk to your lawyer (laughs) (laughs) yeah that a myth i don't know confusion absolutely There's a lot still that has not been quite figured out. So some people think from a tax perspective, they're good to go and they're not. And there's so many details. I just can't even get into it right now. But I would say that's a big one that people need to pay attention to for sure. Definitely. All right. Thank you so much, Susan and Mike, for joining us in studio today. We really appreciate your time. And keep tuning in for the rest of our money series throughout the month of March. Woo! Sound, presented by Vangst, a podcast for cannabis professionals. Produced by Hannah Holmgren and Catherine Jamiro. Music by Tyson Weigel. For more information, visit www.blog.vangst.com. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Joyce Gerber the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, The Kenna Mom Show. And we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on this industry as business professionals, healthcare providers, policy advocates, caregivers, moms, by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness, wisdom, and hope. I am so grateful to have found my tribe of Kenna podcasters right here on PodConnex and look forward to our work of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers and building this new industry together.